work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or a traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days in our calendars that have meaning. Every day on Mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship. Amen, huh? I don't know if this is on. How are you guys doing today, huh? Doing awesome? It's, it's, it's great to be here. I got to brag a little bit about these guys. Um, I'm, I'm the worship pastor here. My name is Blake. I don't normally speak, um, but, but today I am, and, and in this role, can you guys just give it up for, for these guys here? Um, since I'm not on the team this morning, I can say this and, and not feel like I'm talking weird about myself, but uh, you don't even understand the amount of work that these guys put in every single week, man. It's hours and hours and hours of work trying to prep so that when they come here and they're on this platform, they're not just trying to remember a word or remember a lyric or, or I guess those are the same thing, or remember a note or these things that they're, they're literally able to worship a risen Savior, and be genuine in that and guide us all in that. And, and every single one of these guys are volunteers up here. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And so we are, we, are, we are hugely blessed. We are the church. Not just the name of the church. We are the church. Look to your neighbor and to your left and right. We are the church. If you're watching online, you are the church. The church is not defined by this time and place and, and date and space. But we are the church. Right? We are the church. The church is his people coming together. Here we are. We happen to be at a time and a spot, 
right now, but when we go out through the week, we scatter out into our community, and we are the church. I was um, Jason, the guy who's just up here, here leading, um, amazing man of God. I've learned so much from him, and um, we, we got to spend some time together this week. We went down on Monday afternoon to the valley, and uh, we went to Tempe to watch uh, the band Thrice. Anybody, anybody a Thrice fan? Nobody. We got one person. All right. Awesome. Um, Thrice is kind of like in the underground scene a little bit. They're this like hardcore rock band. Um, I know it's a shocker for you that I would like that, but um, it was this hardcore, like like crazy rock, like screaming, like, ah, you know, chanting and all this stuff. I literally, when they started their first song, within the first nanosecond, there was a mosh pit going on like that. <laughs> I was like, Yes. <laughs> That kind of thing, right? So, but we got we got down to the valley a little bit early before the concert started, so we can grab some some dinner. And um, we stopped off at Desert Ridge Marketplace in Tempe. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that place, but I especially love it because there's this establishment that's kind of right in the middle of that place called Mod Pizza. Anybody ever heard of Mod Pizza? Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Mod Pizza is um, it's not pizza; it's an experience. Okay, when you walk into Mod Pizza, you walk up to the counter and they're smiling and they're ready to greet you there. And they say, hey, what, what kind of crust do you want? What? That's a thing? I can pick a crust? Okay. That's awesome. I have like these dietary restrictions with, with uh, some health issues that I've had going on for the last few years. And so I'm, I'm not supposed to eat, you know, like wheat or gluten and things like this. And um, they have this thing called a cauliflower crust. You know what cauliflower is, right? It's like that, that like imposter to broccoli. It's like, it's like really gross. <laughs> Somehow they took that and they made it into a crust for pizza. And it's actually pretty awesome, all right? And then you go next, and you get to choose a sauce. You mean you don't have to tell me what sauce I get? No. I actually got, like, this olive oil-based sauce. I put, like, some chunks of garlic in there, like minced garlic. And then, oh, what's that green stuff? Pesto? Yeah, put that on there, too. You know what I mean? Like, load it up. And then you go through assembly line. It's kind of like Subway meets Chipotle meets pizza, all right? Yeah, it's amazing. I don't work for Mod Pizza, by the way. Um, I don't. Um, but if you're watching online, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but seriously, yeah, sponsorship maybe, I don't know. Um, but it, it, it's crazy, man. You walk through the line, they have like 30-something ingredients that you can choose from. And then they got like some hidden ingredients in the back. If you ask for them by name, you're like, you're, you're like a regular customer. You know, the secret ones, like they'll bring you out. Not like crazy. Come on, guys. Like anchovies, all right? Um, but, but you can just like add them on, add them on. Then they put it into a wood fire uh, thing, oven, right? And they heat your pizza up with somehow magically within like four minutes, it comes out amazing. And, um, and then after all that, as if that's not enough, they say, hey, do you want any like sauce on top? What? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's drizzle that thing up with some more pesto. They got something called like spicy honey. Amazing. Yeah. It's like you can, you, you just like hand make this pizza and, and, and it's crazy good. Um, but but what really threw me for a loop is I was walking over towards the restrooms and um, they, they have this wall. Check this this picture out real quick. Um, maybe we have it. There it is. Yeah, it says we make pizza so we can serve people. We call it spreading modness. Welcome to mod. It's a pizza place, guys. At the end of the day, it's pizza, right? 
Something as simple as pizza, yet they have this, this um, slogan. It's sort of like their, their, their motto. Motto? Get it? Never mind. Um, their motto, they, it says, we make pizza so we can serve people. And then they, they take it a step for, uh, further. Check out this next, fo- next photo. It's a, it's a wall, and this is like a community wall of people eating pizza, like hanging out. Yeah, we're doing the pizza thing, man. Yeah, look at this. Ah, you're, you're eating pizza too, same here. You know what I mean? It's like this community pizza wall, right? I don't know, the guys on the beach, I don't know what they're doing. But anyways, I don't know how they got up there. But they have this mod wall of pizza eaters, right? And they create this community. All right, we're good. I'm just going to like try to pick out different people in the picture and figure out what they're eating. Um, at the end of the day, they're a pizza place. But see, they want to be about something larger than just, just pizza. They want to actually serve people according to their slogan. They say, we make pizza to serve people. And it's interesting, it's not just Mod Pizza. There's a whole lot of companies. I don't know if you guys have been watching um, just sort of the mainstream uh, media and, and companies that are out there, but a lot of people are kind of joining in on this sort of thing about being something larger than just the product at hand. In fact, is anybody familiar with the company called Tom's? Tom's is known for making shoes, right? Tom's is a shoe company, but Tom's, according to their website, check this out, it says, thanks to, to the company's one-for-one business model, Someone in need is helped every time a Tom's product is purchased. I don't work for Tom's either. The company donates a pair of shoes for every pair that they sell. Every time they sell a pair of shoes, they donate one out. Buying Tom's eyewear contributes to sight-saving surgery. Sip a, a Tom's coffee. That, that supports clean water initiatives. If you buy a Tom's bag, like a carry bag, that promotes safe births worldwide. And they even have a bullying prevention program. That's pretty crazy. Warby Parker, another example. Warby Parker, according to their website, 2.5 billion people around the world need glasses, but they don't have access to them. Warby Parker is an eyeglass company, in case you guys don't know. Um, and out of these 2.5 billion people, 200, oh, sorry, 624 million cannot effectively learn or work due to the severity of their, their visual impairment. So Warby Parker decided to, to partner with these individuals and address the problem. They wanted to help these people get back to work. And in fact, they, they had two initiatives that started. One was to empower adult men and women with training opportunities to administer basic eye exams and sell glasses for ultra-affordable prices. All right, and the second, so that, one, that, that program is about empowering to, for, for future. That's, that's amazing. I think that's awesome. And the second one is directly giving vision care and glasses to school-age children in their classrooms where teachers are often the first ones to see the dysfunction, right? Teachers are the first ones to spot the issues. And so these companies started, instead of just saying, hey, we're going to sell some, some eyewear, some shoe wear, some bags, some coffee, instead of just making pizza, we're actually here to serve people. We're here to be some, to part of something larger than ourselves, when Jason and I got done eating our amazing pizza, um, then we regretted it. And then after that, <laughs> uh, after we ate the pizza and, we, and after we had the regrets, we, we went on a walk to sort of walk some of this stuff off, right? We still had some time to kill uh, before the concert. And so we're walking through Tempe Marketplace. And I didn't plan this out. We didn't, we didn't like, call each other and, like, coordinate, hey, are you going to wear this shirt? Are you going to wear that shirt? Like, no, we, we're dudes. We don't do that. But we just happened to show up. And I was wearing a black T-shirt, and I'm a guitar player, and it had a picture of a guitar. 
It was literally a white, a black T-shirt with a, a picture of a white guitar right here. Jason shows up, and as you guys know, um, outside of this morning, he's normally back behind the drum kit. He shows up with a black T-shirt, I kid you not, with a white pair of drumsticks. <laughs> like, we're so predictable, man. It's so ridiculous. So we're walking through Tippy Marketplace, and... Um, and, and, and we're, we're just talking, we're just talking about life and stuff, and, and this guy comes up, we had already passed this guy, he's in this courtyard area, and he like comes up and he rushes up to us, and he grabs us and he says, hey, are you guys musicians? And I looked at our t-shirts, and I looked at him, and I said, no, why? And I was like, no, I'm just kidding. I, I really did say that, but I was like, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, we are, what's up? Is everything okay? Can we save you with something? Yeah, can we play guitar, do a drum, you know. Um, I said, yeah, what's up? And the guy said, hey, I, I'm a musician too, and I, and I just, uh, I was just wondering if you guys would want to jam together sometime or put together this band. Total stranger, right? We don't know this guy. He just walked up out of nowhere. He's like, I just want to know if you guys can jam. Everybody wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. Do we get this? We're longing to be part of something way larger than just ourselves, And I think companies are starting to recognize this, that it's not just companies wanting to be a part of something larger than themselves, but for a marketing standpoint, people like to purchase items uh, from from retailers that are about something bigger than themselves, right? But then I got to ask the question, why is that? What's behind all that? Because that's just an expression. People want to be a part of something larger than themselves. What's the root cause? And, And I would propose something this morning. That at the root level, that you and I, that we, regardless of whether you identify with Christ or that you say Jesus is God or any of this stuff, I think that we can, we can agree to believe this, this morning that if you're watching online, you're inside these four walls, you're outside, I think that we can agree on one thing, and I'm going to prove it in a, in a little bit, but this is this, that we were created in love, by love, for love. That we were created in love, that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that we were created in that love, by love himself, God is love, for the purpose, he said, go and love. The greatest commandment is what? To go love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. That we were created in love, by love itself, for the purpose of love. And I think as, as humanity, it's not just Christians. People are recognizing that. They're not labeling that. They don't even know what it is inside them. But they're recognizing the need inside of us. All of us can recognize the need inside us that says, yeah, I need to be loved. I need to experience true, genuine love. And then out of that, we recognize the need to love others. We might not call it that. In fact, a lot of people are calling it social, social justice acts, right? Humanitarianism. I want to come alongside and help out these people in need. I want to do this. But we don't, we don't even know why we're doing it. We're just sort of doing it. We're acting out of um, this, this, this sort of uh, trendy movement, right? But I think if we started to look at the inside, we would know the reason for all that. The deep down reason is that we were created in love, by love, and for the purpose of love. But here's the, here's the problem. Like I was mentioning so many times, we don't, we don't recognize the, the root cause. And so what happens is, is so often we place expression 
before intention. We, we place expression, what you see outwardly, before the intent behind it. Expression says this. It says, let's do blank. Let's do this. Let's be about this, right? This cause. Let's be about this. Let's say this. I feel like blank, right? That's my expression. Intention says, here's why. Here's why. So oftentimes, we, we, um, we actually forget the why, and we become all about the expression of something outwardly. And we forget the reason why we're doing it. That, that is so, so important. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. When expressing myself comes before intention, I'm just a reflection of the world around me. I'll say that again. When expressing myself becomes before the intention, I'm just a reflection of the world that exists around me. Sometimes that reflection is of good things, and sometimes it's not. But when expression comes as a result of intention, I'm a reflection of him who created the world. We talked uh, several weeks ago about creation and the thing that we were, we were the one creation out of everything created. We were the one creation created in the image of God and the likeness of God with the ability to create. Being the one creation that was created in the image and likeness of God, God is love. We were created in love, by love, for the purpose of love. I know I've sort of like hammered that down, but it's super important that we understand that for the context of the rest of this going. You're saying, what, what does this have to do with the workplace? We just watched a video about the workplace and the mission field, being on a mission. It has everything to do about it. And I want to show you just here in a second. Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 was sort of getting um, talked to by this, this religious group of people who are trying to trip him up. And they're asking him, hey, what's the most important commandment of all out there, right? They're trying to trip up Jesus, you know, they're trying to place themselves uh, above Jesus, saying, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing? And he responds in verse 37 through 40, he says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So he says, first of all, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus sums up the entire Old Testament, the laws, the prophets, all this stuff, which is what these religious leaders were trying to trip him up with. And he says, you guys are missing the point. Here's the summary of everything. Go love God and go love others. That's it. This is what we're supposed to do. This is the underlying intention for the expression of what we do on a daily basis. Does that make sense? If we don't understand that, then we shouldn't be moving forward. We have to understand that the love was the intention in the first place, that Jesus came and he died and he rose again because of love. He calls us out of that love to exist in love and to love others, to be loved by him. We have to understand that intention. Because when we go into the workplace, we're, we're, we've been in this, this series called Go, right? Go, go, go. Matthew 28 
Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 puts it a little bit more harshly. This is kind of crazy. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. It says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not, what? Does not know God because God is love. That's kind of harsh. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Who are you when nobody's looking? Did you know that we spend, on average, 90,000 hours of our lives in the workplace? That's a third of your life is spent in the workplace. That's, your, that's a third of your life overall. Not, not just mentioning the, a third of your waking life. That's a way higher statistic. Because another big chunk of your life is hopefully what? <laughs> Sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good part of your life. <laughs> but a third of your whole life is spent in the workplace. And in fact, when you combine that with the statistics for uh, how, how, many, how much of your waking life is at school, those two combined uh, atone for 48%, almost 50%, almost half of your life is spent between school and work. So when John says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. I don't see an asterisk in there that says, except for when you're at the workplace. Right? Oh, yeah, by the way, except for when you're doing this, except for when you're at school, except for when you're in this scenario. He doesn't say that. And so then I go, mate, wait a second. 50% of our lives is either spent in school or at work. That's crazy because I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how intentional I always am about being love in those areas. When it comes to the workplace, when it comes to school, I, I think oftentimes we, we view Christianity, we view uh, making disciples through one of two extreme lenses. And the first one is this. It kind of looks something like this. Hey, man, I heard you were a Christian. Let's start a Bible study at lunch in the workroom, right? And then we can get a really, really large Bible study going. And then people will know that we're like Christians and want to ask us all these cool questions about Jesus. And then we can like start praying out loud and we, we can like insert prayer into like really awkward moments in the day. And then, then they'll know like, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and not that anything's wrong with that. I'm, I'm not making fun. Okay, I kind of am making fun of it. But I'm not, like, just trying to dog that. I'm just saying we often view making disciples, Christianity in the workplace, through one of two lenses. It's that extreme. Or the other is extreme is we say they're two separate things. Two worlds that, that, that don't need to collide. And I, I think there's a disconnect with that. I think that, that it's not supposed to be one or the other. I think that we were called not employed, that we were called not just educated, 
We were called to be his in every walk of our lives, every in and out of our lives, wherever we go, that we bring Jesus. There's this argument out there that Jesus is not welcome in school anymore, and Jesus is not welcome in the workplace and in government. And I would, I would, I would argue back with that, and I say, if Jesus is living inside of you and you're invited into your workplace, is Jesus not there? Yes, he is. He's invited into your workplace, Absolutely. Check this out. This is, this is um, I, I've also had real jobs in my life. I haven't always just been a band guy. But this example is, is from a band. I, I was in um, this band called Echo Tribe in the Valley. It's actually how I met Ernie. Um, we were doing a youth rally up here at one time. And me and him were back in the green room, like, chilling out. Um, I wish I would have brought that picture. It's like a really young version of me and Ernie hanging out. It was kind of cool. Um, Anyhow, we were back in the, in the green room, like, talking and stuff, and that's how we met. We were at this big conference, and he was speaking, and I was leading some music, and, and we got connected in that way. But this band, um, people often ask us, hey, are you guys a Christian band? Hey, dude, are you guys Christian? Or are you secular? Are you a Christian band, man? And that question always threw me off. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like is Echo Tribe the name going to make it to heaven one day? Like, hey, those, yeah, those Echo Tribe is over there. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's just weird because you wouldn't say like, oh, hey, I'm going to the store. Oh, where are you going? Walmart. Are you, are you going to the Christian Walmart? No. <laughs> I'm going to Walmart right down there. Like, there might be Christians who work there. I don't know. I'm just going to Walmart, right? We were just a band, we, we were four guys who loved Jesus with all of our hearts. We knew that he was real. And we were four guys that loved to rock. All right? And we came together because of those two things. We loved Jesus. We recognized that in each other. And we really loved to rock faces off. And so we kind of joined, yeah. We kind of joined together. And we're like, hey, let's rock and love Jesus together. Right? This is going to be awesome. And so we did. We, we formed this band, and um, we, we, although we did play at churches, I'm not dogging churches, we did do some concerts and youth events and stuff like that at churches. Our favorite place to play was not at churches, believe it or not. Our favorite place to play was at bars and nightclubs. And I'll tell you why. It, it became very evident. One, they're not so like, you know what I mean? Um, but two... When we were in these scenes, we started to meet people. We started to recognize that um, what was inside was coming out. We couldn't stop it. We couldn't change who we were. We were followers of Christ. That's who we were. That was our identity. That was the intention behind everything at the, at the base level. So when we were followers of Christ, the lyrics that we wrote, the conversations that we had, the interactions that we met and, and had with other people, all of that was through the intention and through the lens of Christ, which was love. Is that making sense? Every interaction. So this, this came into play uh, when the first time I met this, this, this club owner um, at, at this really kind of famous nightclub in Scottsdale. It was hard to get into to play. Like People like Switchfoot have played there before, and, and Brian Welch from Corn. Um, like they, they bring in some big names here. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a well-known nightclub. And uh, somehow we had the opportunity to open up a show. It was like, you know, the, the nightclub opens at 8, and we went on at 8, but, you know, nobody shows up until, like, 10 or 11. We were like those guys. You know what I mean? The first time we played, we, got, we were kind of treated like dirt by the owner. You know, like a, like a nobody, it has been, whatever. And we didn't come in with the attitude of, like, hey, do you know who we are? 
You know what I mean? Like, we, do, you, do you know who you're talking to? No. We just, we just like, came in quietly and said, okay, yeah, yeah, how can we serve you? What do you guys need, you know? And we just were, we, we, the expression of who God already was in our life became, became lived out. And so we started to, to play these shows. And wouldn't you know it, over time, they started calling us. We weren't calling them. They started calling us and say, hey, we really love you guys. This guy's name was Robert. He, he, in fact, after I moved up here for two years, he called me trying to get our band to come out there. That's crazy. We went from the guys who opened up at 8 o'clock to the guys who started playing at 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And all of a sudden, we were the headliners that went on at 11 o'clock at night in the heart of Scottsdale on a Friday night, Saturday night down there. And we had the place flooded with people. And you know what they heard? They heard the message of Christ, not because we jammed it down their throats, but because we gently presented ourselves in love. You know what the owner heard? The owner saw and witnessed over time, not just a one-time encounter, but over time and time again, these conversations between him and I about Jesus because it naturally came out. It wasn't something that I said, hey, man, there's a lot of sin going on in here, I've noticed. And... uh, if you want us to play here, you're going to have to remove that uh, cage over there because I don't know what kind of things happen in there. And if you want us to play here, uh, you're going to have to tell people not to drink so much because they're getting kind of rowdy, all right? I heard some cuss words. We weren't those people, man. We just said, hey, thanks for, thanks for allowing us to exist in your environment. We're going to love you and we're going to serve you. That's what we did. So much so that, check this out, there's a sound clip. I want, I want you guys to hear this. This is not live. You can go ahead and play that. This is an original song that we wrote. Listen to the words right here. This is a studio recording of this. Um, that, that line, in case you couldn't hear it, said, we live to love covered by blood. This was a line, yeah. This is a line in our song. Uh, we, we wrote that song. This is a line in our song. But the cool thing about the line isn't necessarily what it says, although it is kind of cool. Um, it's, we had an entire nightclub of people chanting this out. We engaged them. Literally, guys, we brought church to the people. And they, yeah, it was awesome, man. And it wasn't just once. We did this over and over and over, multiple different nightclubs, and people were all about it, man, just chanting, we live to love, covered by blood. And they weren't wrong. They weren't wrong. Even if they, they weren't believers in Christ, they weren't wrong in saying that. They just didn't know it yet. And that's, that's, that's crazy. See, see, the outcome of our influence of who we were day in and day out, the living that out was opportunities that we had never been afforded before. Conversations that we found ourselves in that we'd never been afforded before. When Jesus cruised around, man, he showed people love by example, what it meant to be loved, what it meant to love. See, at the end of the day, a lot of us find ourselves, we might even find ourselves like feeling like we're stuck in a job. Man, I hate my job. It's so draining. It's so this, you know, so that. So-and-so at work. So-and-so at school. It's just a bummer to be there. And they're always negative. They're always this and that. And, and it's so easy to get wrapped up in there. 
I want to read something out of Colossians. Colossians 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the Lord you will receive, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he's done, and there's no partiality. You don't work for your employer. Right? You don't work for your uh, employee. You don't work for your customer. You work for the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't go to school to satisfy a grade or a teacher or anything that like that, man. You exist because Jesus has called you. You are called, not employed. You are called, not educated. We are called in every aspect of our lives. Not just the 10% that we're not at work or not sleeping or not at school or not at this and not at that. We are called, man. That video, I, I, I love that video because it, it, it short, sort of sheds light on this whole idea that, that our mission field around us is way larger than we ever thought. In fact, um, there's seven areas of, of cultural influence that have been identified by Gabe Lyons in, in a book that he wrote. And, and, and here, here they are right here. Media, education, arts and entertainment, business, finance, uh, sorry, government, and the social sector. Media is TV, radio, publishing, newspapers, internet. Education is public, private schools, charter schools, homeschools, college, universities, graduate, adult education, continuing education. That's education umbrella, right? Arts, entertainment, artists, film, literature, music, fine arts, performing arts, sports, theater, video game, entertainment, business. You have advertising, marketing, public relations, e-commerce, retailers, services, finances, investments, securities, legal. That's under business. Government. You have executive, judicial, legislative, military, public policy, advocacy, I can't say the word, advocacy groups, right? And in the social sector, finally, you have educational social sector, family, marriage, and finally, religion. And you might look at that and go, okay, cool, we have this one little spot in the social sector. But the reality is this, if you look around this room, remember I said we are the church? The church is not the space, it's not the place, it's not the time or the date. We are the church. Every single one of these areas is represented right here in this one room. And if you're watching online, you're part of one of these areas of social influence. So the, the power that exists right here to show the love of Christ to our world is huge. It's exponential, in fact. What if we started looking at work, not just as something that provides money for a bill that we have to do, but rather we recognize the reason we were called in the very first place, which was to love others, to be loved by God, to exist in love and to love others. What if we experienced work as the place where we go to for one third of our lives, 90,000 hours of our lives that we exist in to be called, not just employed? What would that look like? Intentionality, intentionality. I don't want to go try to express my faith if I'm not living that faith on the inside day in and day out. So these, here's, here's what I want us to remember. I have three things that I want us to remember, and then I have one thing I want you guys to do. First of all is intention must precede expression. Who are we really? If, if anything else, if you need to stop there this morning and ponder that, that's fine. Because you can't move forward in expression if intention hasn't been the driving force. Does that make sense? 
We can't move forward and be the people God calls us to be and work if we're not actually receiving love by God. So if you haven't received Christ into your life ever, if you've never recognized that he came and died ever, we can't move forward in that love if we haven't acknowledged it and recognized it. Intention must precede expression. Number two, work hard, man. We're called to do a job. Work hard. Maybe the best witness that you can be is the fact that you're the hardest working. The Christian should be the hardest worker at the workplace. The Christian should be the person who strives for the best grades all the time, man, striving to do the best that they can in in the schoolhouse. Work hard as unto the Lord. And number three, create. You guys know my, my, my thoughts on this. We were created by the creator in the image of the creator to create. Create spaces, create opportunities to share love in your workplace. Be intentional about that. So don't forget, three things that don't want you to forget. Intention must precede expression. That's number one. Work hard as unto the Lord. Create opportunities. Remember those three things. And then here's, here's what I want us to do this week. I, just, I, I have three options here. I just want you to pick one. Pick one thing to implement. One practical thing to do. The first one is be vulnerable. You might want to write these down. Be vulnerable. All right, be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to show your flaws. Uh, people in the world aren't looking for a perfect person, believe it or not. They're looking for someone who's genuine, someone who's real, someone who's not trying to hide something. Someone not with a hidden agenda. Does that make sense? Be vulnerable in that. That's number one. So pick one of these three things to try this week. Be vulnerable. Number two, don't discount the beliefs or experiences of other people. Oftentimes, as a Christian in the workplace, we we look at people's um, religions that don't line up with ours. And our first thought is, I want to get in a debate with that person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or we just don't talk to them. We do one of those two things, right? We say, oh, you're wrong because of A, B, and C. All right, you're not gonna convince somebody that they're wrong of their life belief up until this point by a a diagram. Does that make sense? Don't discount their, I'm not saying agree with them, I'm just saying don't discount their beliefs, acknowledge it, and continue to be love in their lives. Continue to be Jesus in their life. They'll see and they'll know, man. And then, and then they'll start to ask you questions, which leads me to number three. Choose one of these three things. Be vulnerable. Don't discount the beliefs of others. Or three, ask questions. So often we're ready to give answers, but are we ready to ask questions? Are we ready to ask questions of those who may not believe what we believe? Ask honest questions. Why do you, hey, why do you, why do, you do that? You know what I mean? Why do, why do you do this thing? Or what's this about? Tell me, tell me about this. Don't be loaded with an answer to respond. Just ask a question and, let it, and, and leave it. Right? Be vulnerable. Don't discount the beliefs of others. Ask questions. Choose just one thing, man. One thing this week that you can implement. Allowing intention, the intention of Christ's love in our lives to be the driving force behind any expression of his love knowing that you are called, not just employed. You are called, not just educated. 
This morning is kind of special because we, uh, once a month, we, we take communion together. And, and I, I just think it ties in so perfect with today's topic because we're talking about love. And when we look at the communion table, we see this, uh, you know, plate of bread and some grape juice. I'm like, okay, that's cool, like a pre-lunch snack. Um, but, but, but there's so much here. Because Jesus was the first, again, like I said, we were created in love, by love, for love. Jesus displayed that love on, on a cross when he took the nails and he literally gave his life. This is a physical event. This is a real event that took place. It's a historical thing that happened. It's just fact. It's not, it's not oh, what, what would those guys believe? This literally happened. Even outside of the Bible, there's accounts of this happening. It's not just the Bible. Jesus took the nails for you, for me for our sins, something we couldn't do. He took, and we eat this piece of bread to represent that his body was literally broken. We take this juice, um, you know, because we don't want to get it, you know, we don't want to be like drinking a bunch of wine up in here. I don't know. We take this juice to be PC. And, uh, (laughs) thanks. We take this juice to represent the blood that was spilled, Right? And we remember the sacrifice that was made. And so, like, like I said earlier, if you haven't started with intention first, here we are, man. Let's do it. Let's take communion this morning together and saying, thank you, God, for dying on the cross. Thank you for taking the nails, man. Thanks for taking the spear in the side. Thank you for doing something that no one else could have ever done, which is, which is forgive me of sin and call me to life. Call me out of death. Call me to life. I'm going to pray, and um, as the band plays some really sweet music, um, I just want to invite you guys up. And uh, there's one, one station in the back. There's two up here, and you just physically what that looks like is you just take a piece of bread and you dunk it. You know what I mean? Don't go all the way in. Just go halfway in so you don't get your fingernail in there. Um, not making you guys think about something you didn't think about before. Just a light dunk. And then go back to your seat and, um, and thank God for the sacrifice that he made. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, God. Thank you that you created us with something in mind, Father. You created us for a greater purpose, that greater purpose of love. Father, help us to understand the very thing that we've been missing all of our lives was that intention. We're constantly trying to jump out in front of you, Father. We're trying to do these things without the intention behind it. Father, help us to, to grasp a hold of that intention of love this morning. And God, help us to take that with us in every aspect of our lives, Father, especially into the workplace. Thank you for the sacrifice, God. We take these elements this morning and we remember the blood that was spilled and we remember your body, which was broken for us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.